it's over. How those words will strike you depends on what they announce. If they announce the loss of your favorite team at a crucial point in the season, which knocks them out of contention for any playoffs, probably disappointment. But if the words, it's over, announce the successful end of a medical procedure for your child, they'll bring a flood of relief. What do you wish would be over right now? Maybe a string of inconclusive doctor's visits, a disagreement among friends, this pandemic. Tonight in our readings and hymns, we've contemplated the end of Jesus' earthly life. And in this brief message I'll give on John chapter 19, verse 30, we're going to look at the end of the end. We're going to consider Jesus' last words and actions immediately before he died. You'll see the verse back in the passage Mary read on page 10 of the bulletin. Here's the verse again, John 19, 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. How did Jesus finish? What did he finish? In order to meditate on this verse, and especially the phrase, it is finished, we're going to consider four aspects of what Jesus finished and how. The task, the labor, the goal, the power. The task, the labor, the goal, and the power. First, the task. What did Jesus finish? He finished accomplishing our salvation. And in this point, and at a few other points in the sermon, I'm just going to take us back through John's gospel to get a kind of 3D picture on how John prepared us for this moment. And what this moment is achieving. So John chapter 1 verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus took our sin away by taking it on himself. On the cross Jesus bore the full weight of our sin. Bearing the full weight of our sin crushed Jesus. But in doing that he crushed our sin. John 6, 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus gave his life so that we would have life. He gave himself over to death in order to deliver us from death forever. In John 12, 28, beginning to approach the time, when he knew he would be tried and crucified, Jesus prayed, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. By giving himself for us in love, Jesus perfectly fulfilled the Father's will and perfectly revealed the Father's character. The cross is the greatest conceivable demonstration of the love that God is. God is love and there is no greater love than Christ's dying for us on the cross. By pouring himself out in love in total devotion to the Father and to us, 
Jesus reveals and glorifies the Father like no one ever had. John 12, 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. In his death on the cross, at the moment of greatest weakness and defeat and loss, Jesus overthrew Satan. Jesus triumphed over our great enemy in a moment that looked for everything like pure defeat. John 16, 33, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. In his death, Jesus triumphed over the world, even as it looked for all the world like the world had triumphed over him. In John 17, 4, just before his trial and death, Jesus prays, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Here in his prayer, Jesus looks ahead to the very moment we're meditating on. And he considers his mission complete because it is about to be. The cross is the ultimate destination to which the Father sent the Son by sending him into the world. It is finished. What does that mean? Sin is banished. Eternal life is ours. The Father's glory shines through the veil of His Son's frail flesh. Satan is trampled. The world is conquered. Mission accomplished. It is finished. Second, the labor. What work did Jesus do in order to complete this task? He willingly gave Himself over to suffering and death. He gave himself to sacrificial suffering. One clue to the depth of this suffering is the simple phrase back in verse 28, I thirst. As Isaac reflected on in prayer a moment ago, Jesus had been beaten, flogged, and spat on. He had carried his cross to Golgotha. He had been nailed to it and hung there for three hours. His need was real. His body was broken. His helplessness was complete. And yet, even in this total weakness, Jesus was working to fulfill the will and purposes of the Father. Verse 28 tells us that Jesus said, I thirst in order to fulfill Scripture. The thirst is real, the need is genuine, but there's a deeper divine purpose at work. Psalm 69, a psalm of David, narrates David's own righteous suffering. How David was unjustly persecuted by those around him. And David had these circumstances ordained for him by God in order that the suffering of his anointed one would foreshadow the greater suffering of David's heir, the Messiah. So in Psalm 69, verses 20 and 21, we read, Reproaches have broken my heart so that I'm in despair. I looked for pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They gave me poison for food. And for my thirst, they gave me sour wine to drink. This isn't the first time in John's gospel that Jesus asked for a drink. 
in John chapter 4, when Jesus was at a well in Samaria, he asked the Samaritan woman who was there at the well to give him a drink of water to quench his thirst. And he said to her, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus suffered this agonizing thirst on the brink of his own death in order to become for us a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What labor did did his task require? It required enduring the agony of the cross in order to give us eternal joy. Number three, the goal. The goal. What does all of this aim at? What is it meant to accomplish for you? We read in John 3, verses 14 to 16. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... So must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Christ was lifted up on the cross, physically raised from earth, hung in the sky, so that you would look to Him and nowhere else for salvation. Only by looking to Christ can you be saved. And all who look to Christ in faith will be saved. Trust Him. Rely on Him. Give yourself to Him. Confess Him as your only hope in life and in death. And again, Jesus was looking ahead to His coming death. And He said in John 12, 32, I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to Myself. And in the next verse, John explains, He said this to show by what kind of death He was going to die. In the eyes of the unbelieving world, the cross is bizarre, disturbing, repulsive. How could a crucified man be the God and Savior of the world? It doesn't make any sense. It's gross. But to those to whom God grants faith, the cross is an irresistible magnet. By dying for us, Jesus draws us. The same love by which he overcame Satan and the world is the very love that overcomes our defenses and objections and draws us irresistibly to him. What is Jesus' death to you? Does it repel you or draw you? God is our holy creator and we've all rebelled against his righteous rule. Because he is just, he will punish sin. And if you persist in sin and unbelief, that punishment will take the form of eternal condemnation. But that isn't God's only answer to sin. And it doesn't have to be God's final answer to your sin. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. In love and mercy, God sent his eternal son into the world to save us, to accomplish this task we've been meditating on. 
It is finished, is Jesus' triumphant dying cry. It is finished, confidently looks forward to Jesus' own resurrection from the dead three days later, his own triumphing over death. And it is finished. If you trust in him, it is finished, will be Jesus' declaration about the guilt and punishment of your sin forever. Finished in his death. Finished by his work. Finished through what he suffered for you and by nothing that you do for yourself. It is finished can be his verdict on everything wrong that you have ever done. God will hold none of it against you if you trust in Christ. Point four, a final angle as we consider Christ's finished work, the power. Number four, the power. What power enabled Christ to finish this task? It was his divine nature as God, the eternal son. In John 8, 28, Jesus declares, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority but speak, just as the Father taught me. I am He, or more literally, I am. As Claudia read to us in the first reading. In John chapter 18, when the people come to arrest Jesus, he declares, I am he, or simply, I am. And when he said that, they fell to the ground. They were taken aback. What's going on here? Jesus is applying a kind of divine wordplay to himself. In Exodus 3, when the Lord revealed his personal proper name to Moses, he also said, I am who I am. And to point toward that name, to gesture toward that name, throughout the book of Isaiah, he simply declares, I am. I am he who blots out your transgressions. I am he who declares the end from the beginning. It's a way of the Lord pointing to the name that is uniquely his. And so by saying, I am, Jesus is saying, the name that belongs to the Lord alone belongs to me. The divine nature that belongs to the Lord alone is mine. Now, by any normal, default, human standard, Jesus' death on the cross is the least God-like experience that anyone could ever think of. And yet, in John 8.28, Jesus claims it is exactly this brutal, degrading death that will disclose His divinity. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. As Jesus says again in John 10, verses 17 to 18, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And as our verse shows, John 19, 30, Jesus laid down his life willingly and sovereignly. After he said it is finished, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Who can decide when and how to die? Who can decide 
when and how to come to life again. Only one who has God's own power over life and death. Jesus not only freely embraced death, he freely reclaimed the life that he laid down for us. God alone takes life and gives it again. By dying the way he did and then triumphing over the grave, Jesus demonstrated his divine power and nature. The man who hung there so helplessly is the Almighty God. On the cross, shame revealed glory. Weakness revealed omnipotence. Mortality revealed the immortal. On the cross, human defeat accomplished divine victory. On the cross, Jesus suffered what only man could in order to accomplish what only God can. The 4th century pastor, Gregory of Nazianzus, leads us through these paradoxes of what Christ's death reveals and also the ministry leading up to it. Gregory of Nazianzus proclaimed, As man, he was put to the test. But as God, he came through victorious. Yes, bids us be of good cheer, because he has conquered the world. He hungered, yet he fed thousands. He is indeed living, heavenly bread. He thirsted, yet he exclaimed, Whoever thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He was tired, yet he is the rest of the weary and the burdened. He is stoned, yet not hit. He prays, yet he hears prayer. He weeps, yet he puts an end to weeping. He asks where Lazarus is laid. He was man, yet he raises Lazarus. He was God. He is sold, and cheap was the price. 30 pieces of silver, yet he buys back the world at the mighty cost of his own blood. It is finished. What is finished? Sin is finished. Death is finished. Satan is, sin is finished. The world is finished. Guilt is finished. Condemnation is finished. Trying and failing to work your way back to God is finished. Being chased and haunted by the worst things you've ever done is finished. Not knowing whether God loves you is finished. In Johann Sebastian Bach's St. John's Passion, a solo soprano sings out this joyful commentary on our verse. It is finished, O oh, comfort for the ailing soul. The night of sorrow now measures out its last hour. The hero out of Judah conquers with might and concludes the battle. It is finished. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what more comforting words could we hear than it is finished?
what firmer place to stand? Then it is finished. Father, may we look nowhere else but to Christ's finished work to be reconciled to you and to have a sure hope that you will receive us into eternal glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.